brother Mike for leading us so well, uh, even as it was your first time. Even before we get into the sermon this morning, I'm wondering if if uh, anyone did uh, the the homework that I gave the congregation uh, by challenging them to uh, find a friend and ask them whether uh, they are seeing fruit in your life. Anyone? Anyone? Or in the congregation? Powerful. Okay. And how was it? <laughs> amen amen um god bless you for that we do want to encourage uh that sort of exercise to occasionally ask your friends whether they see fruit in your life well dear friends uh we are in jonah chapter three and what an exciting passage before us which i do hope will also be uh, quite uh, <clears throat> energizing rebuking saving uh, sanctifying and uh, beneficial for a walk in the lord i want to read from verse 10 And this is where we'll spend our time together. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. This is the word of God coming to you from the English Standard Version. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it let us pray heavenly father what a a merciful god you are that you even give us a chance to listen to your word being expounded upon father in heaven i ask for mercy on my soul That even as I preach this word, I am mindful of who you are and who I am. And I am mindful that I may err in one way or the other. But I pray that you may do a work in me and guide me through your Holy Spirit as I preach the word. I do want to pray for my hearers this morning. That they may have a, a fresh burst of mercy that as it were this word may be a spring such that it is as if it is coming from the ground fresh to be consumed and to be experienced may you bless our time together help us to not drift but to concentrate and hear the word of God coming straight to our hearts in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, our president, Idim Nangagwa, granted amnesty to some prisons in Harare. He looked at their sentences 
and saw that they could no longer be held in jail cells and then pardoned them. He moved them to be released from prison despite the mixed reactions from the people. He released them. Of course, he looked at the severity of the crimes they committed and he said these ones deserve to be let go. And now they are enjoying freedom they did, they did not deserve or do not deserve on account of the clemency extended by the president. Now as we will see shortly, this example is a shadow in comparison to who God is and his dealings with sinners. God here in Jonah chapter 3 had just commi commissioned the prophet Jonah anew and had told him to go to Nineveh and call out the Ninevites for their sin had come up to God. Last we saw that just as the word reached the Ninevites, it accomplishes its purposes and causes a change in their lives. Dear friends, it is at this point that we pause and think and meditate together that the word of God, the very word of God applied to our souls changes the way we live. God had chosen to give them new hearts. And we will see in verse 10 that God shows mercy to them because they had turned away from sin. They had repented and God showed forth his mercy. But I want us to see three things from this one verse. First of all, what do we see about the God who shows mercy? We see that mercy is number one, his character. Mercy is his character. We see that God showing mercy, number two, is consistent with scripture. So number one is his character. Number two, it is consistent with scripture. And number three shows that he is a covenant keeping God. Covenant keeping God. Let us delve into these things, dear friends. Verse 10, as I read, as we look at the character of God. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. I want you to observe here, friends, the character of God. If you will, in verse 10, you see that God is all-seeing. Number one, he is all-knowing. And this is highlighted by the phrase, when God saw, meaning that he was fixated firmly on them. He never, for a second, looked away. 
or took his keen eye off them such that he could not miss a single reaction from them. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. Other translations say God repented from the disaster. Now, this does not mean that God turned away from his initial decisions as us humans do where we are called to repent and turn away completely from the old life of sin rather the word reham in the hebrew which is the in, which the english translates to repent reveals god's earnest desire to be true to his own immutable character immutable means unchangeable god has got an unchangeable character god does not change he is he is the same today tomorrow yesterday and forever and so here we see that this is consistent with the very character of god for him to be merciful to sinners if they repent It wasn't a divine failing. God did not fail. As some would suggest, many in their excitement would go around even to the extent of reducing God's character to something that can be likened to human, to a human level. It is then, dear friends, that when we read this text of scripture, we conclude that the most appropriate term to use for what God did to the Ninevites is mercy. Mercy. Now, what is the difference between mercy and grace? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Let me say that again. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is unmerited favor. You did not work for it, but you got it in the first place. So more simply put, mercy is when God withholds punishment to whom it is justly deserved. For example, all of us in here have received mercy from God. We deserved wrath. We deserved punishment. But God showed mercy upon us throughout life. It's his character. It's his character. It is one aspect of his character that we neglect. In our zeal we, we we want to paint a portrait of an angry god a marauding god brandishing a divine sword ready to execute everyone in his way we forget that god shows mercy We seem to neglect or ne not to take into account what A.W. Pink calls the three folds of mercy. He highlighted in his book the, the attributes of God. There's one fold where God shows what we call general mercy. 
general mercy is mercy that is shown forth to his creation. The creatures that he has created, both fauna and flora. When you see fauna and flora flourishing and non-believers, they are flourishing. It is God's grace. It is God's general mercy. There's also the special mercy that he highlights in his book where he talks about how God is merciful to the unbeliever and the non-believer alike. As we see in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 says, uh, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And Jesus' point was that we should be able to love our enemies because even these people, God shows mercy. And the third fold is the sovereign mercy which is extended or reserved for the heirs of salvation which are the children of God. And this mercy is communicated through Christ Jesus. So, dear friends, this is God's character. He is merciful. Whether we like it or not, He does not treat us the way we deserve to be treated. You, you see the evil people marauding and walking around with their chest puffed up and doing all sorts of wicked things and seemingly prevailing or prevailing. And then we think, oh, well, God is not in control. He is in control. He is just merciful. But his mercy is conditional. And it will come to an end one day. Cut. You cut the cord. I want us to give, I want to give us a, an example in Genesis that shows forth the character of God as one who is being merciful, who is merciful. Genesis chapter 3. We all know that the fall happened. God created man. He gave him a command not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man disobeyed and then God gave them judgments. And we see in Genesis chapter 3, 21, we see that God clothed the same people who just disobeyed. Listen to Genesis 3, 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And why is this mess? Listen to A.W. Pink. By clothing them in the garden, God introduced the gospel to them. He showed them mercy. God was essentially saying that you have sinned against me. You will die physically, of course, and you will bear uh, the brunt for your iniquities. But I have made a way. I am clothing you. I, I, I killed a calf on your behalf. I will kill my son for you. God is merciful. It was his first gospel sermon preached by God himself. Not in words, but in symbol and action. It was, set, it was a setting forth of the way by which a sinful creature could return unto and approach his holy creator. 
It was a blessed illustration of substitution. The innocent dying in the stead of the guilty. And that's the gospel, dear friends. Christ dying for sinners. That is the gospel. That is mercy. You deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. You deserve to die. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So there, dear friends, we see the character of God. That he is indeed merciful. Contrary to what we would like to believe. And here's the application. Is there a common thread of mercy in your life? Like your heavenly father is merciful. Are you merciful to those who don't, who don't deserve to be merciful? To, to, who don't deserve mercy? When was the last time you showed mercy to someone who intentionally wronged you? Perhaps you have a chance today, even today, to withhold harm or punishment to the one who deserves mercy. In emulation, like what Brother Mike did, he connected Matthew 5, 7 to the sermon. So beautiful. Think about it. Is your character consistent with God's character. I want us to move to the second point in Jonah where we see that this teaching is consistent with scripture. Let us look at Jonah 3 verse 10 again and elaborate on our point. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Friends, how true are these words in all of scripture? How familiarly sounding are they? Such that, almost, such that it is almost as if it's a broken record that we hear so often. I want us to turn quickly to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2 and we'll spend some time in there and see the picture that we see in Jonah. Judges chapter 2. That this teaching is consistent with scripture. And I'll read from verse 18. So the context is that Joshua had just died and God was ushering in a new period of judges I'll read following from verse 18 chapter 2 whenever the Lord raised up judges for them the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge 
For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. Verse 19. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers. Going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them, they did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. We see, dear friends, that for there to be any conversation of mercy, there must be sin. Let's move on. Judges 3, 7 to 11. And the people of Israel did what was, what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. Verse 9. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer. There we see the mercy of God. For the people of Israel who saved them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Verse 10, the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord gave Cushem Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushem Rishathaim. So, listen, listen to verse 11. So the land had rest 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So firstly, we see that mercy is predicated upon the utter sinfulness of, of mankind. But secondly, we see that God, if we turn to God, God will have mercy upon sinful man when man cries out to god and forsakes his evil way god hears them and he gives them rest that is the teaching of scripture let no one lie to you let no one tell you otherwise that you cannot get rest from sin that you cannot be forgiven that god cannot show you mercy let no one lie to you is there in the scriptures and this pattern is is all across Genesis, the Exodus, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you see that the people of Israel were stiff-necked. When Moses went up the mountain, they took golden earrings and bracelets and, and everything, and they formed a golden calf, and they started worshipping the calf when God was with them. And then when, they, when, when, when Moses came down, he, he pleaded. God forgave them. He showed mercy. First and second kings, that is, the, that is the pattern of the kings. First and second Samuel, that is the pattern. Genesis, God shows forth mercy to even Joseph's brothers who deserved the utter punishment for selling their brother into slavery. God is merciful, friends. The Psalms, the gospel, 
everything. You read across scripture, you see God withholding punishment from sinful man who deserve wrath, who deserve punishment to be destroyed. And one man who knew God's mercy very well was David. David in Psalm 57, which is titled a mictum of David. Psalm 57 from 1 to 3, David appeals to the attribute of God, the, the attribute of God's mercy and says, God have mercy upon me. He appeals to it and he knows who God is and he calls to God and he, and he expects mercy. Listen to this. Psalm 57 verse 1 to 3. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destructions pass by. This is David. King David. I cry out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send. So listen. Listen to the confidence and the expectation. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. On me. Seller. Pause. God will send out his steadfast love. And his faith. Oh, what a merciful God we serve. Even as we read the scriptures, friends, we see that God was merciful to humanity in the New Testament when he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for us, to redeem us. He didn't show mercy to his son rather he punished his son he poured out the full wrath the full penalty of God's wrath on the Lord Jesus Christ such that we may be shown mercy and you see it again in Luke 18 Luke 18 is a beautiful passage that has got two sets of mercy two sort of uh, phases where we see God's mercy in, in the first phase we see the Pharisee and the tax collector after Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector and the, and the Pharisee and the tax collector go to the temple to pray the Pharisee in Pharisee motion in Pharisee uh, fashion says I fast so full I fast uh, so many times a week I give tithes I'm not thank God I am not like the tax collector but we see in verse 13 that the tax collector who the Bible describes was far off and couldn't look to heaven he said the shortest and yet most justifying prayer. He did not say any long-winded prayers. He just said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. If he didn't know that God was merciful, would he appeal to God? We see in the same chapter, the other phase where Jesus heals 
a blind man. The blind man came running to Christ. And he said, he appealed to Christ, said, the Messiah, the son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus healed him. Christ is merciful. He gave him physical sight. We see all across scripture, he gives people physical healing or physical sight in order to point them to the spiritual reality that God himself can heal us of all our infirmities, all our sins. Now we see in our text of scripture, in Jonah, that this is what was being taught. The Ninevites. Jonah had just seen scripture unfold. He had seen the whole of Genesis to Revelation in one verse. That the merciful God who had promised to destroy the same God who destroyed the world with waters in Genesis and destroyed the world with uh, destroyed uh, the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and sulfur is the same God who said, I will not destroy you because you have turned from your evil way. Same God. And the problem, dear friends, the difference between non believers and believers is that Christians know their need for mercy. They know their need for mercy. Non believers refuse and deny the mercy of they think that they can do without. They think that they can live without. Think about it. What is the application thus, dear friends? Here's the application. When you read the Bible, do you read it as a book of God's mercy upon sinners? Do you see that picture? Or... You just say, well, you know, God is angry. He doesn't love us. He's destroying everyone. You're pessimistic. Do you think that God can have mercy on your unbelieving mother? Do you think that God can have mercy on your unbelieving auntie? Yes, the one who's blasphemous. The one who's practicing witchcraft. God can have mercy on that one. If they turn. <laughs> Do you see God's mercy upon your life in the midst of trials? That's for what that for what you do, you deserve worse than what He actually gives you. Think about it. We are sinners, and yet you find us complaining about every sort of thing but when you look at the scriptures you have to ask yourself do i deserve better i want 
God to bless me and yet I spend the whole week sinning against God. I want God to show forth his love to me but then when the scriptures come and confront me and they say do not live this way I, I, I fold the scriptures and I throw them away. And I say no this is not what I want. I want to do what I want but I want God to bless me and that is the epitome of unbelief that is satanism that's what satan does do you see god's mercy in salvation that he gave heaven's best for you he gave christ that is enough it is enough that jesus died and that he died for me it's enough friend you could lose everything that you have right now and live under a bridge. But if you've got Christ, you've got enough. You've got everything. You've got everything. The, the, the suffering that we see now is only momentary. It's only temporary. It points us to a bigger picture. Christ. If, 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 if now you are to lose a family member or, or your spouse or, or you were to lose your job, Christ Christ and non-believers don't get that they don't back to our text back to our text Jonah when God saw what they did how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. The third point is that God is a covenant-keeping God. First, we saw that mercy is his character. We saw that mercy is consistent with scripture. Now we see that God is a covenant-keeping God. And we see the reality experienced by the Ninevites is that God showed mercy because he is a covenant-keeping God. He doesn't go back on his promises. He isn't man that he should lie. Thus we, thus we see that mercy is dependent upon his character and the fact that he keeps his promises. And we see a picture of this in Jeremiah 18 verse 8. When Jeremiah is pronouncing judgment upon Judah for their lack of repentance and for their love of idolatry and sin, he says, And if a nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Friends, perhaps your life right now is a mess. Perhaps as I'm speaking right now, you are in sin. You at the end of my voice are in sin. Perhaps you have wickedly departed from God. Perhaps you are in a secret, forbidden sexual relationship and you are scared to go to God because you feel utterly unforgivable. 
Perhaps you are about to steal a lump sum of money or to get into a forbidden deal which would uh, get you out of poverty and get you to your desire, your heart's desires. Perhaps, dear friend, you are not trusting God. Perhaps you are anxious about daily life. You're just anxious. You're just a shaken person. You, 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 you just fear for the worst. Every, every turn you're fearful. I'm highlighting all these things so that I can point you to God's mercy. I'm highlighting all these things to say if you feel like you're stuck, good. Run to God. You saw, he forgave David, the man who committed adultery with Bathsheba. I mean, in our culture and day, what is worse than adultery? <laughs> what is worse than adultery? But you could go to God, and he is ready to relent from what he said he would do to you. Turn away from evil. Give yourself to the covenant-keeping God. Give yourself to the God who showed mercy to the Israelites in Sinai. On Sinai. Give yourself to God who showed mercy upon mercy all across the Gospels in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself to God. Turn away. If you, if, if you know your hands are, are filthy, your eyes have been feasting upon what you're not supposed to feast on. Your mouth is running what it's not supposed to run on. Drop it and go to God. And the Bible says he will show mercy. That's what the Bible says. We stand upon the scriptures, friends, here. We don't, we don't stand upon feelings. We don't stand upon speculation. <laughs> we stand upon the scriptures. That's what the scriptures teach. This helps with how you deal with sin in your life. Drop it and go to God. Leave it behind. Perhaps you are sitting here and you've never experienced the mercy of God. Which of course, by the way, the mercy of God is embedded in his love. Mercy and grace are like Siamese twins embedded in God's love. This is, comes from God's love for us. In His love, He's merciful and gracious to us. Perhaps you've got guilt within your soul and you do not know where to put it. Maybe you're a, you're a stranger to love divine. You've never understood how it is that a God who created the heavens and the earth could forgive sinners 
you've never understood the love of Christ. You've, you've never understood why you keep on sinning. You've never understood why you live in sin. You know no other way. You're a liar. You're a hater of God, a self, a lover of self, arrogant, disobedient to your parents, rebellious. You are the exact description of 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 9. You are that. When, to, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Mark this, in the last days, men will be this. They'll be lovers themselves, arrogant, dishonest, uh, haters of good. They, they won't be able to be appeased. He's describing mankind as they are in sin against God, rebellious, an unregenerate heart, a heart that has not received mercy. That's what he's describing. A hard heart, stone, a heart of stone, whereby if you bang it, you go, describing non-believers. If you are here and this describes you, dear friend, I have good news. <laughs> I have good news for you. I know a man, fully God and fully man, who came into this world of a virgin conceived of the Spirit of God. I know a man who lived an obedient life. He knew no other way. I know a man who was reviled and insulted for preaching the truth. I know a man whose blood washed the sin and the sins of a billion. I know a man who really sets prisoners free, not the way our president does it. I know a man who sets the prisoners free. And thus, even... One of the Wesley brothers penned down. He says the prisoners free. He says the prisoners free. His blood can make the fathers clean. His blood avail for me. His blood avail for me. For me. His blood I know a man who rose from the grave and overcame sin and the devil and his adversaries. I know a man who overcame the last enemy, death. The enemy that none of our relatives have ever overcome because they are gone. Christ overcame death. So many of our loved ones are gone. I know a man who can make you alive today. I know a man who can rescue you from self and from demons, uh, the demons that you fight, your life of hypocrisy. His name is Jesus. And every knee shall bow. <laughs> every knee, whether in heaven and on earth, angels, sinners, Saints, creatures, they'll bow. Demons will bow. 
And that's, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is merciful. Who says, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Come. The invitation is to come. The imperative is to come. Don't look at yourself. Look to Christ. I know a man called the Lord Jesus. And this is who Jonah was pointing to. This is who Jonah witnessed as he witnessed the miracle of the Ninevites being converted to Christ. We too may witness the miracle of you being converted to Christ and see what Jonah saw. But remember what Christ said in 1241. Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The Ninevites will rise up and condemn that generation because they did not believe. They wanted a sign. The people in the day wanted a sign. And Christ said, Behold, something better than Jonah is here. Something better than anything you can ever have is here, dear friends. The kingdom of God is here through Christ. Trust in Him. Leave that life of sin. Leave it. And you will find mercy in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me just pray. Lord God of mercy, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you have treated us in a way that we do not deserve. And so help us to be merciful to others. Show forth the character of God. See the teaching that is consistent of scripture and daily drink in the oasis of mercy, daily. And then also see the covenant keeping God who kept his covenant and still has kept it in Christ. In whose name we pray, my dear God. Amen.